Hello there, and welcome to the Pulsar Podcast, a show where we talk loudly about films. I'm your host James, and joining me today is my good friends Angus and Waddy. This week, we watched Upgrade, a sci-fi film directed by Leigh Wanao, director of Insidious and the Invisible Man. It's a good time, I'd say. What do you guys think? It's a lot like Venom, isn't it? It's kind of like, it's a bargain bin version of Venom, in a way. Like, the Logan Marshall Green looks an awful, awful lot like Tom Hardy. Like, just kind of his face structure, like his kind of um, complexion, you know, it looks very similar to Tom Hardy. Mm. And they, I don't think they splashed out on many of the supporting cast either. <laughs> like, the guy who plays discount Elon Musk in the film, like, he's not the best. What's that character's name again? Uh, it's Eron e- e- Brusque. Eron <laughs> Keen. Yeah, sure. Eron Keen. But yeah, no, I think. I do think the cast is really good, though. Like, in terms of the material they're given, I think that does a lot. And Logan Marshall Green's a great physical actor in this film. Like, he really sells his performance as this guy. Um, It's interesting what you said about it being a bargain version of Venom. And it probably was made on a tenth of Venom's budget, but it does everything that Venom is trying to do, but, like, ten times better. So it's very interesting, the contrast that there is. With this indie film with, like, no budget, basically. And as you said, not that many, like, famous actors or anything like that. And yet it does everything so well and kind of proves that even if you don't have, like, a hundred million to make a film, you can still do a very good job of it. I think you are right when drawing the Venom comparison. These films came out within a few months of each other. And very similar in the trailers. A bearded 30-something white dude... Just getting possessed by a thing. This is this is Jarvis meets Venom. It's yeah. it's a very it's very much the same movie, but as you said, I think done a lot better. And you drew attention to the performances. Let's take that first. Do you think it's the performances that really help this film? I think it definitely adds to it. Like like as I was saying, like the specifically the physicality of the way that Logan Marshall Green kind of like directs himself, especially when he's like hijacked. Oh yeah, full spoilers. For the film, we're doing that, right? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah cool. Sure, um, like, when he gets hijacked, and, like, he just kind of, like, punches himself up, and he's got this great robotic kind of movement to him. It's brilliant. I, like, absolutely love that. And, again, the sporting cast is fine. Mm. Like, they're functional. The wife, who kind of does just serve to be fridged, is a bit kind of... The opening scene with them, where it's just, oh, we're such a perfect couple. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I sure hope we're not in a car crash. <laughs> like... And Eron, Eron Brusk. I'm not calling him by his real name. Stop trying to make me. Um, I think, yeah, I think those both suffer a lot from just kind of being there. But the main guy, because it's a story about him. Mm. I think that, that's absolutely now. And the dynamic between him and Stem is brilliant. You're definitely right. I think this is a film carried by its uh, main performance. Logan Marshall Green, who has done very little, mm. as far as I'm aware. As Grey Trace is actually his character's name. Yeah, the names in this film, they suck. Okay, they just suck. <laughs> it's the most, like, uh, first sci-fi name yeah. that it could possibly be. Yeah, they're all future names. I don't think you understand how that works, Angus. <laughs> it is, like, 20 years in the future. It's not like it's even that far. It's like if we all just stop calling our kids Gary and just call them Grey. Yeah. <laughs> Angus is a name that's been around for hundreds of years. If, like, my parents are like, I'm going to name him Clyberdex, the destroyer of suns. No, it's like in Black Mirror, they're just called like Jim and Tracy and Bob. They're regular people. When they're called Grey Trace and Eron Brusque or whatever his name is, I care less because no mother would name their child that. 
mark my words in 20 years culture is going to flip on its head everything is going to change don't you dare call your child gray trace as some kind of sick revenge on me when all you will be doing is harming your son sir your surname isn't even trace make it trace I'm just gonna call my kitty Euron Brusk. <laughs> <laughs> it is a film just full of. I think we're really drawing attention to it. That even though it's a good film, it's full of some of the daftest, the most cliche things. The sci-fi names are sci-fi names. The venom is the venom. Um, and it. it, it I, what, what you both draw attention to quite a big flaw in the film that it doesn't depart from the revenge narrative at all, and its main female character is just fridged. Which not every film has to subvert. Of course, but it is a thing that like it's just too common to see in a revenge movie now. The, the twist is good. It's very predictable, and you kind of know it's going to happen at some point from the start in some way, shape, or form. But I thought the slant from like fun action with a kind of horror twist into just straight-up horror, mm-hmm. I thought that was done really well. really love that. So you were doing attention to the horror, because that's an interesting angle that, like, like let's say, we're comparing it again to Venom, a film where people's heads get bitten off. It's not really a horror film in any way, is it? They kind of just skip over that. But um, what's it called? With with this, there's a, there's a, a body horror really carries by uh, Grey Tracer's performance. I'm just going to call him that. It's easier. I think it's uh, it's in how the film tries to play those scenes. Because in Venom, those scenes are played very much for laughs. No one is taking that seriously when um, you know Venom says you're going to be like a headless, limbless turd rolling in the wind or whatever. But when it happens in in this film, when a guy's face just gets slid open, mm. it's horrible, and it is the characters react to it as if it is horrible. So that's what sells the horror. Really. I think a big part of it as well was the marketing, because like Venom marketed itself as kind of like this horror thriller like do you remember that first trailer mm. where it's like screaming just all you saw was like the black vein like the black veins on his tom hardy's neck or whatever this marketed itself as an action movie mm. and then people were wondering oh there's gonna be some kind of twist you know like it's an action movie um so i think i think it sells that and i think the fact that what they put in the trailer to sell you on the film was the action and my lord is the action in this film good we need to talk about it now, otherwise... Yeah, I was just going to say, we'll first talk the action, and then we'll go back to the twist ending, because yeah. I think they need to be discussed in that order, because the action very much leads to that twist ending. Um, the action in this film, my lord, it takes about 20 minutes of being a, f- a fairly good movie. Mm-hmm. But when he first is so Stem takes over his body, he, g- he gives himself to Stem, the, the upgrade, and he, he flips up and just beats some people up. I made specific note. The camera, like the way that it kind of follows him, like in the way, that's just phenomenal, man. Mm. And just every movement, like as I was saying earlier, like Logan Marshall Gray's physical performance is so damn good because he's like constantly, like just, it feels like it's not in his control. And like his facial reactions, even though it's him doing this stunt work, he always like just looks shocked by everything. <laughs> and it's great. Whilst these fights are like, it's like John Wick on crack. Like, it's if John Wick had superpowers or whatever, which he kind of does, but we don't talk about it. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's great. Uh, also, I think the action is really helped by the rating for this film. So I think that, uh, this is an R-rated film. I don't know what the rating for Venom was. Or was it? It was a 12. All right. So that kind of, you know, you can be more brutal and physical with an R-rated film that you just can't do with a 12 or, you know, 13-rated film. It's just not going to happen. It's also very much, it's not just in the violence, because a lot of films do the violence. You're right, it is the camera work, but the camera work kind of leads into the twist, and that's what I was building to. What, what, did one of you want to talk about that? The, uh, I think what you said about the, the turning of the camera? 
So I was talking about um, the little details that kind of hint to the twist, and uh, you might not necessarily catch on to them early on. Some people do, some people don't. But once the twist happens, you really it, everything is really put into perspective where you flash back to those scenes and you realize, ah, oh, that was the relevance of everything. So when whenever Stem takes over the body of um, Grey Trace, <laughs> the camera just kind of follows him around in a bit of a wonky way. I, it's a bit janky, mm. intentionally, obviously. And that kind of gives this idea of now he's a machine. He's no longer a person. Mm. It's just kind of the camera is very mechanical. Um, and so when the ending happens and you see the camera completely take over and that's the final shot of the camera going very mechanical you it sells everything you know so those are the tiny details that really help the twist and that's so that's brought us very nicely onto the twist so um in the end of this film gray trace discovers that stem was behind it all that it was this grand architect that wants to advance itself take over this human body and Grey allows it to do that when he chooses the dream of his wife over the reality of fighting Stem. Um, I think it, it's a fairly, fairly formulaic twist, but it is, by our emotional investments in the film so far and the beautiful camera work and action, I think it really, it's really good. It's a great twist, but I kept on thinking about like the implications. Like he knows to go to like this black market, like VR hacker, whatever. Does he like know the best places to get drugs in this fictional city? <laughs> if he was like, "Hey, Stem, give me some coke," like would he just instantly give him like the best like purebred stuff in the whole city? I just it's you got to bear in mind that it's twenty years in the future. This this hollow coke now. Oh, yeah. Great trace in his hollow coke. It'll be called something dumb. What if all the drugs now have normal human names? And all the people have dumb names? Hey man, give me some Greg. I was talking to my best mate's weed and coke the other day. And we, we got some excellent gym. You know, it's a great future in the cyberpunk world. Like, you and the mate, you're having a few Sheilas. And then, like, your mate busts out the Allen. Oh, like we've all had nights like that. You start off with an Alan, all of a sudden you want a John. Oh. Yeah, bad night, man. Bad night. Before we move on, and I don't want this to get lost, I made a note. I rewatched the film recently, and I made a note of some of the production design choices that I hated. As we were saying about the world, like it's got that Black Mirror esque kind of hashtag minimalist production design. So I made a note of some of the things that I didn't like. Um. Car with no windows. It's got this weird, dumb holograph screen. Glass is a thing. It always has been. Hexagon- hexagonal fridge. <laughs> this one really bugged me. There's a bit where Grey Trace's mum was like getting some, I don't know, some Jeff from the fridge or whatever. And it's these weird honeycomb things where half of it's a shelf and half of it's like a cupboard. Mate, it's a fridge. It's meant to be uncomplicated. You put whatever you need in there. Um... Waterfall on building. There's one aerial shot, and I shit you not, there's like this distant building, and you can just see water coming off the top. Why? What does that serve? Like... <sighs> Hashtag aesthetics. <laughs> but also, I was going to say, the, you, you hate those things, but you love the design of the Cybertruck, don't you? It's the best thing in the movie. What's the Cybertruck? The truck that they're driving in at the start? It's the Cybertruck. The car that they're driving in at the start of the movie? You mean the one that doesn't have a fucking window? <laughs> that one. Yeah. I hate that one, buddy. <laughs> Look, okay. 
Imagine if someone's like, this is the Tesla of the future these days. It's got like an arc reactor and you never need to charge it. It can go 0 to 60 in a blink or whatever. Hey, no window. I'd be like, what? So how can I see where I'm going? Oh, there's like a weird camera thing that like will show you exactly where you need to go. Hey, do you know what does that exact same thing? Fucking glass. <laughs> It also stops just like the evil sat nav yeah. thing, <laughs> which like I don't want to be like it's done before, but Doctor Who did it in like 2006, guys. Yeah. You know, it's not the future. Well, I was gonna talk about the talking about the car. The one one additional bit of really nice detail is when their car gets hijacked um, technologically, and then a later scene another car gets hijacked, and that should be enough to tell you what's going on. Mm. But because of the heat of the action you just don't notice it i like that gray is like in the film it's called like he's like a technophobe like he doesn't have any implants like he doesn't have any futuristic technology what they mean is gray has common sense like oh i don't have a house that has 19 eyes for some reason like my car has a window and you know a fucking engine he does coke like an old time dude as well Also, he doesn't have a gun in his hand, which would really have helped, so... Maybe he wasn't done. Okay, sorry, that's the fourth bit of dumb future shit. Gun in hand, I get what they were going for, and it's a cool concept, but when they're just kind of sticking their palms out like a weirdly flaccid Spider-Man and killing people, it's not threatening at all. The only good time was when it was used to shoot the same fucking guy in the face. Which, once again, is just so impractical, because, like, like, if that breaks and you do a high five. Yeah. Imagine you're, like, pushing someone's car, and you're like, alright, uh, and then you just shoot through the fucking fuselage. That guy's not going to be helpful. Like, he's like, oh, hey, I flagged you down. Thanks, man. <laughs> just them standing there with their palms out going, pew, 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 really <laughs> reminded me of Dragon Ball Z for some reason. I was like, this is great. <laughs> oh, and on that note, <laughs> let's uh, touch base with our Discord. So we've got some uh, some people who also watch the film with us, our post-star society. Um... They praise the film for the excellent concept and the kind of layered narrative structure. But it is just a generic um, uh, revenge film, but it's got this extra sci-fi hashtag aesthetic um, <laughs> overtones that really help it. Um, and obviously everyone praised the ac- the acting of uh, Grey Trace. I'm not calling him by his actual name. That's his name now. Go on. Sorry, I think we're going to need several doubles of John to get through the rest of this bloody podcast. <laughs> In compared to as well, we, we've spent so much time with Venom, but it's very similar to Robocop. Yeah. And it's kind of uh, future enhanced men. It, it looks very similar aesthetically to 2014's Robocop as well, which isn't really a compliment, but it is an observation. Certainly in terms of quality, it's closer to the original Robocop than Venom. Yeah. And 2014's Robocop, which, you know, was snubbed for many Oscars. <laughs> And I think this is a good time to bring in the proposed sequel. The upgrade is it is in the... Basically, the director said, I never want to do a sequel. And then the film made money. And she was like, you know what? Like, I thought, you know, we're like, sequels are things, you know? Um, so a sequel film was proposed, then not proposed. Everyone was on board for it, and then they went. Uh, but in May 2020, a great time, Deadline reported that the sequel was being turned into a TV show which I'm sure will have a fascinating plot. Oh, no. Um, set a few years after the film, it will feature an evolved version of STEM in a new host, probably a TV actor. And the government will be using STEM to curb criminal activity. Is that similar to any film we might have mentioned in the last 30 seconds? 
the fabulous Mr. Sunshine. <laughs> no, no, what, 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 I, what I'm talking about is I don't like that idea simply because Stam is supposed to be the bad guy, right? So why is he helping police curb violence or whatever? If Stam, if Stam was the main bad guy of the series, that would be a much better plot. And, you know, it's working towards taking down Stam. That's an idea. Yeah, like I, I would put an entire bottle of a- Agatha on the um, on the fact that the twist is going to be that Stem's been manipulating the whole thing. But the fact that I can guess that from that awful, awful premise means that maybe they should spend some more time in the writer's room. Like, they probably had to for this film that had limitations. Like, I talk all the time to you guys about forced creativity, mm-hmm. how putting limits on what you do means that you have to be more creative with the outcome. I think Upgrade's a great example of that. Where, like, obviously it's not a high budget and it still is a successful venture, but, like, there's so many things that they could have done. Like, they could have had him climb in a lobster tank and, like, tear apart lobsters at Tom Hardy. But they didn't, you know? Because they were just focused on a singular vision because that's all they could make. Exactly. Venom is a film that feels like it has that room to do anything Tom Hardy's improvised lobster scene is a prime example. It feels so loose. Like, nothing really has to happen. Whereas Upgrade feels like a very tight narrative structure and I feel like a freak of the week... Stopping crime now sort of wouldn't. No, it yeah. just wouldn't help that I think at all. So we've we've discussed upgrade. We've really taken it to pieces, but we want to go deeper than that, and that's what we do here on Pulsar. Mm-hmm. Where we're gonna we're gonna ask a hypothetical, and Angus is asking this week's hypothetical, aren't you, Angus? Yes, I am. This week's hypothetical asks, how would you deal with being upgraded? Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna clarify that. So we're we're in a car accident, all three of us boys. We're driving down. I said we should have got one with some fucking windows. Why? He was like, nah, man, it'll be fine. Stem hijacks the car. We crash. All three of us get paralyzed in the exact same way. I imagine Joe, our housemate, was also there, but he's the one who gets killed for our motivation. Um, <laughs> which is really sad because my one doesn't involve at all any revenge. <laughs> but so we get Stem in our spines and we get to learn that we can walk and Stem starts talking to us. How do we each deal with that power that we now have? I think there's only one way to deal with that power, and that's, I've, I've suffered in life, I'm going to make some money, mm. and there's only one way to make money when your body can be taken over at any point, get a street, put a hat down, be a mime. <gasps> that, that's very good, but the problem with that is, <laughs> you can do that already. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to spoil your, I don't want to spoil your fantasy, but right now, you could do that, you know that, right, James? I'm not very good at being a man, but Stem could take over my body, I can do, like, little goofy faces, like, oh, no, what's happened to me, as, like, Stem shoots a person, and, like, I'll make so much money. I love how you're like, you're going to be a busker, essentially, but not like an impressive sort of busker. It's not, hey, I'm going to play guitar and make some money. You're doing something that everyone can kind of do okay at, but you're going to do it really well. So so your get rich, your get rich quick scheme is going to make you five pounds. I'm going to corner the busker market. I'm going to, all those other mimes, they'll be locked up in mime cages. And I'll just be, I'll be smashing it. Are we just going to gloss over the fact that you said as STEM shoots someone? (laughs) There's your audience gone. (laughs) We've got to remember that STEM also plans to take over the world using your body. So when when he's like showing you like Joe's coroner report and you're like, "Hmm, I feel like pretending that there's a door where there isn't. (laughs) Like you're overwriting his program. (laughs) 
Stem is just gonna be constantly saying in your ear, like, please remove me. I can give Stem a week. I'd, I'd wear them down so much. They just like, I guess we're a mime now, fuck it. You know how the plot is that he has to break Gray's mind? He's <laughs> gonna do the reverse. Reverse psychology on fucking machine. He's like desperately trying to get you to like that hacker to remove the input cards, but you're like miming the whole way there. Like, oh, I'd love to head down, but what's this? Oh, there's a bear in the road. I'm just walking in the road, not moving at all. Just being like, we'll get there one day. Sorry, the best thing to imagine with that is like, you know, the stem camera whenever it takes over. It's just focused on you standing on a street corner pretending to be in a box. <laughs> Uh, well, I think I've already solved this problem, but uh, we may as well ask Quasi what he thinks. I was actually going to say something similar to yours. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was. I was going to say that I would be an improvising stand-up comedian. Oh. <laughs> because the little small bits of comedy between Stem and uh, Grey are really good. So I was like, he can just give me jokes and stuff and I can just fucking <laughs> recycle them out. <laughs> once again, he's, he's trying to take over the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. Once, once you brought up the fact that Stem is trying to take over the world, I was like, yeah, that's not gonna happen. So what I'm gonna do is, on the first day, I'm just going to break my mind and let Stem take care of everything. <laughs> I'm not interested anyway. It doesn't matter. Just, just to kind of circle back, you said that Stem and um, Grey Trace have really good comedy in the film. You realize the rest of them can only hear one of those. So your improv comedy act is a one-man, two-man show where they hear half a conversation. Hey, did you get the stuff from the shop? And then you just stand there in dead silence for about three seconds and then go, Why didn't you get any pears? <laughs> it's the future. People are just saying this is an experimental comedy or something. I think you mean hollow pears. Oh, yeah. There's the future. Uh, <laughs> so I like the idea that Stem's still, again, desperately trying to get you to like go after Joe's killer or whatever. And you're just there, like, Man, I'm late for my audition at the comedy club. <laughs> <laughs> Stem, Stem, look up dad jokes. <laughs> oh god. Okay, before we get a new answer, give your answer, we're just gonna um, touch base with the Discord. So, we got a lot of quite serious answers from this, so no one wants to be a mime. <laughs> um, or a stand up comedian. Unit of abstraction says he, he just wouldn't really like to be upgraded because it would feel flat to do stuff with the computers doing it for you. Mm-hmm. Kind of like playing a video game on Gomers. People were kind of very scared of it, which they should be. Mm-hmm. It's a, a cosmic horror. We've got some lovely answers here. Uh, Joe said he would like to go to any language, uh, any, he'd like to go to any country and speak any language. Mm-hmm. And then he says he'd like the robot to masturbate him. Ah. So, um, you know, that's fine. Uh, Aiden said he would line up as many people he didn't like in the world and just slap them as quickly as he could. That's very good. That is that. very good. Uh, got, so, got some nice ones. Alex, our president, said that she would just like to study better. I think you're all aiming too small, right? Oh. I'm in this accident. I'm paralysed, you know. My body's not really been doing much for me lately anyway. I've had this plan for a while. Stem gets put in me. I think I probably didn't even ask for it. The guys are like, you can find Joe's killer. I'm like, I just sat down. <laughs> but I just, once I realized that Stem has access to everything, I'm making some stock market plays. I'm getting Stem to invest in Bitcoin. And I'm moving out of my dumbass house with its hexagonal fridges. And I'm going to go live at the top of that tower with the waterfall on it. 
I am making bank off STEM. And then that fulfills STEM's needs as well, because it's taking over the world financially. If anything, I'm the villain that's corrupting STEM. At one point, STEM would be like, dude, calm down. We just want to take over the world. I'm investing in Bitcoin. <laughs> Oh, I was gonna say you can then kick off, kick out Aaron Keane from his apartment and just take over his little underground place, which is very aesthetically pleasing. Hashtag aesthetics. Well, the twist of the film, he hasn't been running the company for a while. I'm launching a hostile takeover. <laughs> Imagine Succession, right? Yeah. The show Succession, but with STEM in like the fucking main guy's body. That show will be over in five minutes. Like, and that would be me. I'll be running New York from my penthouse or what, what, hollow New York or whatever it's called now. <laughs> you know, doing future crack with like a good, the hollow ghost of David Bowie or whatever's going on. I'm living my best life. And you know what? STEM's enjoying it too. That's, that's my plan. Yeah, so really you just want to make both of you happy and that's kind yeah. of lovely. And STEM's method of takeover is probably just go in, shoot everyone, yeah, clear the building, <laughs> that's it, done. Meanwhile, the broken body of Joe Beckham is probably just still in the car crash, like nobody even came to pick it up. <laughs> He's still alive! <laughs> so in this world where Joe is lying in a car crash, you've taken over New York, I'm a mime artist. <laughs> I like the idea, like the final climactic shot shows where are they all now? <laughs> You're on the same street, but slightly older, doing the same routine, and he's going, please, please, James. Well, he's just like a mock the week. <laughs> just, like, just throwing out just great lines, but no one hears the setup. He's the, he's the one guest of the entire panel because he's doing this bit with himself. And I'm staring down at both of you, just like sipping whiskey from a glass, or sorry, sipping Ag Agnes from a glass. <laughs> And that is a future I think we all want to live in. Yeah. <laughs> this has been the Pulsar Podcast, our first episode. We've spoke about upgrades and we've solved upgrades. <laughs> Next week we're gonna be talking about Princess Mononoke. Mm. <laughs> it's been a it's been a good time. Um I've been James. I've been Angus. And I've been Woody. Join us next week and see you soon. Bye.